we're going to, yeah, thanks. We're going to talk about those, those uh, 10 speeches tonight. Then next Wednesday night, we're going to go into the, the part B of section one, and that is the, the, the speeches, the four distinct speeches from the woman of wisdom who calls out. So think of part one as two components. One is a father who speaks to his son or sons, which we'll do tonight. And then the Lady Wisdom calling out, inviting people to respond, to uh, seek out wisdom. Part two, which actually begins, and um, <clears throat> I've got this written down, hang on just a second. Part two begins in chapter 10 and goes through chapter 29, is a lot of different topics, just short little sayings that give wisdom on many, many different areas of life. So it's a little bit hard to nail down. What I'm going to ask you to do, if you can make a note next week, try to read chapter 10 through 19. They're not really long chapters, just 10 through 19, and just things that maybe stick out in your mind that speak to you, that you really like. The following week, we're going to do chapter 20 through 29. And then the last two weeks of our study... It'll be like six week total. We're going to do uh, <clears throat> chapter 30, which is Agur, and then chapter 31, which is Lemuel, who speaks about the virtuous woman. So we're kind of dividing up into little tidbit sections that you can digest. All right. Um, I've asked Stacy to read something. At, we were at our prayer breakfast. Saturday, and he read an excerpt from Proverbs, and it's actually one of the things we've already read the first of 10 speeches, which is uh, chapter one. Chapter two is his second speech to his son. So Stacy's going to read an excerpt from that, and then we'll kind of quickly go along some of the other speeches and hit highlights tonight, and I'll try to ask some questions along the way. So Stacy, I'll just ask you to, to read your what you read. Saturday at the men's breakfast. This is Proverbs uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Proverbs 2, starting in verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. From men who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways. From men who delight in doing wrong. From men who rejoice in the perverseness of evil. Whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It will also save you from the adulteress. From the wayward wife with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. For her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus, you will walk in the ways of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the unfaithful will be torn from it. All right. Thank you, Stacy. So I want you to envision a, a man sitting down with maybe a adolescent son, teenage boy, who's starting to kind of feel his oats. Do y'all remember that time in your life where you were like, you can drive, you, uh, you know more than your dad, right? You guys ever there? You had more knowledge than your dad? Um, he couldn't really tell you anything because you already knew it all. And so you want to go out, experience the world, have fun, uh, enjoy life, and, and the things that the world has to offer, sort of like the prodigal, prodigal son who... Um, went out and wanted to enjoy life. So here you have a dad who's sitting down and saying, son, as a man who has 
been there, a man who's experienced life and seen things and made mistakes, I want to garner to you wisdom. And if you listen carefully to my words, these things are going to help you prevent a lot of heartache. And so part of his instruction that Stacy included in the latter part of his reading is he talks about the wayward woman, right? The woman of ill repute, the woman who bats her eyelashes and says things that are seductive. And so we'll notice kind of a recurring theme throughout these 10 speeches that he warns her about that woman, this figurative woman. And so we'll kind of hit on that theme but so what I'd like to do, time permitting tonight, is, um, is we'll go through some of these speeches from a dad to a son, and he speaks to him about the topic of wisdom. And I, I really enjoy this. And by the way, if you, if you dads are listening and you have young men in your home, sons, it might be a great study to go through these sections of Proverbs uh, with, with your young men. So Stacy's hit chapter 2. Uh, we're not going to go in chapter 2 in its entirety. I'd like to, but time permitting, uh, we're going to move on to chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12, and then we'll talk a little about that. I'm going to start, um, my, next, my next speech will be speech 4, which is chapter 3, verse 21, and then um, we're going to get into the fifth speech. Then we're going to shift gears a little bit in the sixth speech, and we'll see it shifting to an older son who is now married. So it's almost a progression of of age, all right? So now it's a young man who's, who's married to a wife. And then chapter six, which is speech seven and eight, is uh, a working young man who's out incurring debt and uh, establishing a work ethic and, and reporting to an employer. So it's kind of an interesting progression in these speeches, but join me in uh, chapter three, one through 12. My son, do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find success, uh, good success in the sight of God and man. And I like verse 5. We hear this quoted a lot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your, straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not discipline the Lord's discipline or despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So discipline is a good part of life. It's necessary, carried out by not only your father, but by your heavenly father. Now I'm going to stop there because we're going to go next week and talk about the uh, lady wisdom who calls out. And so the rest of the chapter is from Lady Wisdom, not the Father. All right? So now let's drop down to uh, chapter 4. So chapter 4, we start, and we're going to read the entirety of the chapter. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Now, he says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live, get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. So what he's saying is, son, when I was young, here's what your father did to me. Now I in turn am doing this same thing to you. I'm bestowing wisdom to you. Now, speaking of wisdom, verse 60 says, Do not forsake her. She will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, 
She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Now he speaks of evil people, the wicked, verse 16. They cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They're robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. I appreciate verse 23. We've, we've had lessons before on the heart and how it can be so corrupt and lead us down a path of depravity. We have to guard hearts carefully. And that's what he's telling him in verse 23. Keep your heart. Be vigilant. For from it flows the springs of life. Now I thought this was interesting in, in um, 24 and 25. It's talking about conduct. First speech, put away from you crooked speech. You put devious talk far from you. And then he talks about eyes. So many times eyes can get us in trouble. We fix our gaze on the wrong things. We set our hearts on those things and lose sight of God. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet and then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So I want to ask a question tonight to kind of get us a little discussion going. When you think of young men or young women, doesn't have to be just men, who maybe choose things that are improper or damaging or hurtful and they don't demonstrate wisdom, why does that seem to happen to young people? Why is it so important? Yeah, Sean? They're immature. They're immature, okay. I think studies have shown, Sean, that the male brain doesn't fully develop until... 25, yeah. The female brain, however, fully develops around 20, 21. So yes, women do mature faster. They grow up faster. They make better decisions. There's something about the male brain. We just, it, we're late bloomers, right? We don't get it. There's a little thing called impulse control. Little boys, you know, you'd be walking out in a parking lot and you look over and your son is on a five-foot retaining wall. It's about this wide, and he's like, dancing on it, you know. Son, son, why did you think that was a good idea? I don't know, it just looked fun, you know. Little girls think, now if I get up there and I walk on that retaining wall, I could fall and break an arm. Probably not a good idea, so they don't. It's just a thing, right? And so as we grow, young men can get in more serious trouble because now they have a driver's license. They got wheels. They can go out on Friday night and have fun, and their friends... Bring alcohol and, you know, all of a sudden the blue lights and the call from the sheriff's department. And maybe you've been there. I don't know, but it happens. So what can we do as parents or grandparents to maybe help children avoid some of these pitfalls as the father speaks about wisdom? Anybody? Tom, I see you back there. You've got a, you got a few youngsters. Sons, you want to you enlighten us? I've got a microphone coming. Yeah. Anything you'd like? Okay. Then Tom, after you're done. Dennis, go ahead. Uh, our children have to be taught. I've heard all my life that if you take a human being and don't teach them right from wrong, that they'll naturally go wrong. Yeah, I imagine that's true. So it, kids have to be taught, and yeah. you have to be an example. You can't teach them one thing and do something else. Yeah. Son, don't do like I did. <laughs> yeah, very true. 
All right. Tom? Actually, I thought you were talking to me. I, I'm good. Oh, you're good? Yeah. Okay. All right. Tom's got two sons? Yeah. yeah. Three sons. And a Wow. Really? Some of them. Some of them. Uh, it seems like it. It takes a while. I think. Some. I think back on my life. My thirties weren't all the smoothest either. You yeah. Know? Some of us are late bloomers, aren't we? Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. But but they have made a lot of good choices, and I always think of that scripture that says about you know you raise the child. Help me out. Raise the child. Child up a child when they were young. When they're old, then not depart. Yeah. And I think there's. I think that's in Proverbs. Yes, and and I and I I think of that often. Sometimes when I'm frustrated, when I don't always think that they're going the right way. Yeah. But then it seems like the next day or whatever, they seem like they turn around and and, and come back. So. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is we progress tonight. Time permitting, we're going to get into a little bit older son who's now married so the father is speaking to a son but now the son is married and he warns his son about possible pitfalls or distractions regarding his young wife and you know tragically tragically we see young men get entangled don't we in things that are destructive to their marriage they're making poor choices that will have long long-term effects so wow Let's pray for our young people, pray for our young men, our young women as they make choices and as they enter into marriage covenants that they don't hit those landmines that Satan lays ever before them, right? All those things that are put in front of us that can, can cause us harm and destruction. Part of it now, too, is that the younger generation has so much more that they're involved in that our children are raising their self. I'm not saying all younger parents are doing this, but the majority. You know, kids are coming to the schools, you know, some of them don't have food in the morning, but their parents have those cigarettes because you can smell the cigarettes on the oh, children. Oh, yeah. And they're being raised by themselves and doing the best they can mm -hmm. on that, and they're not being taught like the our grandparents taught us and parents taught so there's sort of a breakdown. There's a breakdown of, of in the in the lineage on that part. Teaching where, process. Where where our our the younger generations are not getting taught like they should. Right. I'm saying the vast. I'm not saying all. And you can really see it if you. Have, I know there's several teachers here. I know they see it in the school systems, and you see it in well even in the outside world. Yeah. And you know, it's. That is a big part, I think. So like the dad here, being an involved parent who takes an active role in teaching values and wisdom, but as Dennis said, more importantly, show them, then the tell them. Yeah, you got to be the example. Show them, then tell them. Do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work. Stacy, yes, sir. The, this verse, verse 7 and 8, have spoken to me for a long time. Okay. You read this in chapter 5. The very first thing he says as far as what to do about, about this, verse 7 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Yes. Keep a path far from her. Yeah, we're actually headed into 5. I'm not there yet. Oh, I but thought you read that. Hey, you're fine. You're good. But it, it's highlighting that the very first thing that he says... The top of his instruction is, don't go near it. Yeah. Whatever it is, Avoid. He, he, he didn't say there's something wrong with you, per se. Right. He didn't say you sought it. Right. It's the power of bad company. Yeah, I, I want to tell you a quick story. Thank you, Stacy. Uh, when I worked in personnel, this is my first job in a plant as the personnel rep. I'd go around and talk to people and, you know, do personnel kind of things. But... Out on the floor, those of you who worked in a manufacturing environment or in a plant, you kind of know the movers and the shakers and what happens and, you know, the, what's going on, right? Well, there was this one young lady in this plant in Searcy, Arkansas. She was very attractive. Um, she knew she was very attractive. She didn't just walk down the aisle. She sort of, 
I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, lady. Uh, help me out. She, yeah, thank you. She, she knew it. She used it, and the guys noticed it. Okay, and she started. I called her the Black Widow because she knew the guys that looked at her, and so she would look their way and bat the eyes and shake the hips and, hey, baby, what's going on, you know? And it really fed their ego. And so she would initiate a relationship, and another guy would go down in flames. He might be married, but it was another one on her scoreboard. Got him, you know, got him, ruined his marriage. And I thought, this woman is wrecking a path of destruction throughout the plant. What I'm thinking, what poor victim is next, you know, where she does this to him? And it was just sad to see what was happening, and, and she would continue to go about her business uh, wrecking marriages. And I just thought, that is tragic. It's so tragic. And as I was reading Proverbs, this chapter in particular, Stacy, it made me think of this situation. It was like, there it is. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. I'm in chapter 5. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion. Your lips may guard knowledge. Now here we go, verse 3. The lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. By the way, honey tastes pretty good. It's sweet, right? You like it. You put it on biscuits. I like honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she's bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander. She does not know it. She doesn't know she's leading men to destruction. And now, O oh sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Watch out for the black widow. She'll get you. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give her your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. At the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say, how I hated discipline, my heart despised reproof. See, young men who ruined their marriage, that's, they probably thought, if I had just listened to my dad, if I just listened to my granddad, I wouldn't be here today. But I wasn't thinking about the right things. I do not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Now, here he's talking about uh, a relationship where he is, uh, the father is talking to his married son. And I think you'll understand the context here. So think about the context of a young man who's been recently married. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now he describes this wife. This young woman, his wife, a lovely dear, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight, be intoxicated always in her love. And I love this illustration of Eros. Eros is designed by God and it's wonderful and beautiful in the confines of a marriage relationship. Let your love be erotic love for your wife. Love her and tell you you love her, show you you love her, and be there for each other. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his past. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he's led astray. Don't let your sons or your grandsons go down the path of pursuing a strange woman. Yes, Glenn? Is thank you. Is a very linear God, uh, and you can't read Scripture and not 
come away with that. That's one of the things that struck me about these these writings in Psalms. Mm -hmm. uh, how does he talk? Straight. Uh, you know, even our our words now for what do you call a guy that's upright and righteous and serving God? I've heard people say he's a straight arrow. Yeah. You know, you, that's part of our our colloquialisms for somebody doing what's right and doing what's godly. Uh, you know, uh, to me, it's constantly, and that's the writer in Psalms, he keeps reemphasizing, he's saying, okay, you got two choices here. You can go do it God's way, or you can get distracted, or do it your way, or allow yourself to be misled. And he sure enough gave us plenty of examples of that in the Bible. Yeah. You know, I can start rattling them off one right after the other, and we all know those stories enough that, where did they mess up? They lost their focus on God and and then the righteousness of his righteousness and modeled that and followed that and lived that. And when they strayed, and I've seen it, the Christian brothers uh, throughout the church growing up, men that I would have sworn would have not been on my list of men that would fall prey to women. Right. I mean, uh, I've had preachers who were counseling women and got involved with them. Yes, and I, happens all I the time. I know where there's a lot of skeleton stories, yeah. and, and it's horrifying. Right. One of my best friends, when we were living in Kansas, he showed up on our doorstep one time, mm -hmm. and I thought, "What's he doing here? Mm -hmm. I mean, where's your Where's your wife? Where's your You know, the first thing you start thinking is linear. Where's your wife? Where's your family? Where? What are you doing here by yourself? You look so out of place and lost. Well, he was. He had got involved with another woman in the church, and that's a little congregation that was small congregation. If you did something like that, everybody knew it probably the first Sunday that you were sitting in amongst them. It was just something like a close family. If something's not right with your kids or your grandkids or your family, uh, any family, uh, you know it, you sense it. It's more than an emotional thing. It's it's a break of faith. I really feel like it's a break in faith, and you see it. Right. Conscience is bothering them right. or whatever. Yeah. But I'll never forget that. Now, he had a wife, and you talk about that uh, frontal cortex. Uh, she, her frontal cortex was a whole lot better than his was. Yeah. And he allowed himself to fall prey to mm -hmm. one of these women, Yes, and, and they were both Christians. Yep, and and yet they can fall. Don't ever get so arrogant and so self confident. Yep, and and the writer in Psalms warns warns us about that. You know, well, just a quick comment. Uh, you remember King Solomon? What was his downfall? Anybody remember? Women. Now, women are wonderful, and God made them. They're lovely, and we need them. They're you know a blessing to us. Except he had an appetite for foreign women, exotic women. Women who probably had dark skin and lots of jewelry, part of his uh, maybe a, a peace a peace treaty or an agreement with a pagan king. He would take a daughter, and these daughters had their foreign gods, and to appease them, he just developed a taste. He probably loved Arabian horses, right? It was an exotic, beautiful thing, and he had a taste, I think, for for foreign women, exotic women too, and it led his heart astray, right? Now, moving on quickly, example B, um, do you remember uh, Balaam and Balak? The sound of ring a bell? Who was Balaam? He was a prophet who was basically a pagan prophet, wasn't a prophet of God, a pagan prophet that God used. And the king Balak asked him to prophesy against God's people. That didn't work. He lost an argument with a donkey. But later, later, Balaam, knowing that he stood to, to gain a lot financially with this relationship with Balak, ended up being consulted, right? Guess what he told King Balak to do? Anybody know? Yes, sir. Yeah, get the women, these exotic, beautiful women, to um, basically entice the Israelite men. And if you could get the Israelite men into a physical relationship with these attractive young women to entice them and lead them astray and begin practicing pagan idolatry, you'll win. You'll win without having to kill the men. And it was working. Except God intervened.
I think Phineas intervened. He ran a spear through two, two people in a tent. Uh, he had great zeal for the Lord. But this is one of the devil's ways, one of the devil's ways to sidetrack us and destroy marriages. I need to shift gears because we're running out of time. But if you look at Proverbs 6, we're now thinking not about marriage relationships per se, but going out into the, the world as a wage earner and business dealings and business ethics. So listen to what the dad says to the son regarding wisdom. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, it's like co-signing for a big loan, right? Just some people mean well. If you're snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go hasten and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep, your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. If you've put yourself on the line for somebody else's financial viability and, and you're on the hook, take care of it. Fix it. Do whatever you need to do. Get out from under that. Best thing is don't do it in the first place. Don't co-sign for somebody you don't know because the bank will come to you. Then he says, in terms of work ethic, verse 6, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways to be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer, gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Son, work like the ants. Be diligent. Set something aside. Be smart. Now he talks about unethical dealings in the business world. Sometimes young men go to work and they get messed up with people at work who are doing shady deals, right? Things that aren't ethical. A worthless person, verse 12, a wicked man goes about with crooked speech, wink with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. Don't affiliate with unethical and corrupt people in the business world. It will cause you pain. It will ruin you. Now he shifts to the Lord and God's righteousness. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. What does that mean? What? A proud look. A man that walks down the street like I'm somebody. I'm important. You're not. A lying tongue. We know what that means. Heads that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. Yes, Glenn. Yes. Permissive society where people are telling you uh, unborn babies are only tissue and uh, it's just a mass of tissue. And yet, I just saw it tonight, and I guess I always try to keep tuned in on real time. Yeah. Disney, Disney show was showing all this peace and light of this beautiful little baby and this little child going to Disneyland, and their dreams were coming true. And I thought, well, okay, that's really nice. Yeah, we went to Disneyland, and it was, oh, it was wonderful. But this is the same group that's telling you, that's okay to abort children, too. You know, and I, I told Judy, I said, hey, get a load of this. I said, you know, if you want to abort them, go ahead. We'll support that. But yeah. if you don't, bring them to Disneyland and have a nice time. Uh, there is such a dichotomy of contradiction there that it just sickens me. It's sort of like a facade of goodness, and yeah. really it's evil underneath. Evil, which is good, and good is spoken of as evil. Yeah. Uh, you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. You're either straight, and you're either godly, and God says he treasures. David said, I was knit in my mother's womb. That's telling me he was David when he was a, whatever you want to call it. Amen. That mass of tissue, they tell you, doesn't count. Right. It does in yes. the sight of God. And yeah. I say a world of people who have taken the lives of innocence, this is what it's talking about specifically. Amen. Those are shedding the lives of innocence. Those little child children are as innocent and pure as they can be. Amen. Don't end their lives prematurely. Yes. Let's get back to verse 20. 
Uh, we're running out of time. Stacy, can I get you to read 20 through the end of the chapter of 6? Because that goes back to something that you had shared earlier about the adulterous woman. So we're, we're going back kind of full circle to the young man listening to his father. And his dad says, I want to tell you one more time, son, who to stay away from. This is which, which chapter? Ch uh, Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 20 through the end of the chapter. <clears throat> My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. For these commands are a lamp. This teaching is a light. And the corrections of discipline are the way to life. Keeping you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of the wayward wife, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread, mm. and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can mm. a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he's starving. Yet if he's caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all he has, all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery lacks judgment. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept compensation. He will refuse the bribe, however great it is. Yeah. Now, we don't really have time to get into chapter 7, but it, 7 is a continuation of the end of 6, where it just continues talking about the adulterous woman. Um, I want to just read an excerpt real quick. And verse 21 of chapter 7, With much seductive speech she persuades him, with her smooth talk she compels him. <laughs> All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. It's like, oh man, I'm watching this guy on his death walk. You know, he's, he's, he's making a critical decision. As a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Oh now, sons, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Be attentive. Uh, let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not strain her past. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. I just have to believe that Satan is out there tempting young men and young women. By the way, I don't know if you're aware of this, but since Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie came out, what we're seeing in the uh, areas of counseling and Christian counselors are saying that they're dealing with more and more cases of women who are now dealing with pornography. Young professional women who are also addicted to pornography, not just men anymore, it's becoming pervasive in our society. And uh, these things are being thrown at young couples and, and they're enticed. And so just pray, pray for our nation that we will turn our hearts to God. And that our young men and our young women will have wisdom and avoid these traps. So, enjoyed our discussion tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for reading and for those of you that commented and helped. Next week, let us read. Um, actually, we're going to be talking about the woman's speeches. And you have those in your handout. It's chapter 1, 3, 8, and 9. So, read those ahead of time. The woman's speech, the woman who calls out wisdom. And we'll talk about those next week, and then we'll get into section two of our study. Okay.
Wayne's good to see you back. Feeling human again. That imitation song, five, seven, six, mountain free. Good to see everybody here tonight. We'll get our invitation started. Uh, I was listening to the news tonight, and they were talking about the FAA was concerned because there's been a lot of close calls, about four, where planes have almost hit each other on the runway or a near miss within 100 feet. Wings have been clipped. And, you know, if we're not careful, if we don't exercise due caution, there's probably going to be lives lost through carelessness, so we've got to have a system that's safe. Uh, if you're going to fly, I'm sorry. I mean, it's still the safest way to travel, better than driving, but close calls really should teach us something, to sit back, evaluate, learn how to prevent. And a close call, maybe in your life spiritually, has happened recently where you avoided something that was catastrophic. God often will give us second chances. He'll give us grace. He'll give us an ability to correct an error. So if you had a close call in your life spiritually, or maybe something could have happened because you made a bad decision, but God was graceful and allowed you to come out of that unscathed relatively, consider that a warning. Do something. Change your behavior and repent. Part of our invitation that we offer every service is we want you to reflect on your life spiritually. Where are you? Do you need to repent? So we're going to sing five, seven, six, there's a fountain free. We offer you forgiveness through the blood of Jesus and ask you to come while we stand and sing. Five, seven, six, Wes. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste, to its spring. Tis a fountain of from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me. Thirst is all. Hear the welcome come. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a living stream with a crystal gleam from the throne of life. Now it flows. While the waters roll, let the weary soul hear the call that forth freely goes. Will you come 
to the fountain free. Will you come? Tis for you and me. Thirsty soul, hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. There's a rock that's cleft, and also is left that may not its pure water share. Tis for you and me. And his streams I see, let us hasten joyfully there. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Tis for you and me, thirsty soul, hear the welcome God. Tis a fountain, open for all. Be seated, please. Just a moment. Brother Clint's going to lead us in our closing prayer. So if you have any particular announcements or prayer requests, I ask you to direct that toward, where is Clint? There's Clint. Okay. And he'll be coming up and lead us. I just got word that uh, Robbie and Allison Santiago are in the hospital waiting for a little Santiago. So they warned us. They said, now, this is the first baby. It might take a while. So, but anyway, pray about them. Uh, Clint, if you would, Robbie and Allison, and uh, as they begin their family. I want to give you an update on Meg's dad, Jack. He may be a little bit stronger. He's looking better, but still very confused, disoriented. Uh, so it's real hard on him. He knows he's confused, um, but it's kind of like, he gets up each day, and he's not sure what day it is, and he keeps asking Meg why she's there. Uh, there's a ladies' devo, uh, an accountant planning session tomorrow at 630. That'll be in the fellowship hall. See Shannon. There's a meeting for everyone who's going to CYC this Sunday morning. That'll be in the fellowship hall. Area-wide UTVO is Sunday at White Bluff at 5 p.m. We'll be taking the bus to the devo. There's a table shower for Story and Jose Rosales set up in the foyer. They're expecting a little girl, February 20. They take gift cards, uh, Walmart, Amazon, or Target, and we need your gifts by March 1 on that table. There's a ladies' devo and calendar planning session, uh, February 16, 630, in the fellowship hall. Uh, let's see. Also, there's a list in the foyer for food items needed at the next Youth and Senior Supper on March 1st. What's our count? 110. Very good. All right. Any other updates on the sick or special prayer requests? Yes. No bus to the area-wide Sunday night. You're on your own. Okay. All righty. Thanks, Ryan. Anybody else? Any updates on the sick? We're glad to have Wayne back. Wayne was away for a few weeks. Glad he's here tonight. Anybody else? Yes, sir. My father, David Murray, had ankle replacement surgery yesterday and has been quite a bit of pain. David Murray, ankle replacement surgery. Okay, did you get that, Clint? All right. Yes, all right. Pray that he recovers. Anyone else? Um, we, we announced Sunday that Bill Young's oldest brother died of a heart attack. So um, the church did get a small gift for him. Uh, thinking about him and his loss of his brother. So I'll go to see Bill tomorrow morning. All right, anyone else? Okay, if there's no more announcements, we'll ask Clint to come lead us. Bow with me, please. <clears throat> Father, we bow our heads before you this evening and want to thank you for the day you've given us, beautiful weather, and the time we've had to just go throughout our daily lives. And we thank you so much for being able to do all the things that you bless us with. Father, we have a few on our minds right now that are in many special, different, many different special situations, especially the Santiago family is there waiting to bring the newborn into the world. Father, we pray that uh, all will go well, she'll have a 
good delivery and a fast recovery and they get to start living their lives as a, a new family with such a beautiful blessing as children are. We pray that all goes well in that situation. Father, we, we continue to pray for Meg's dad and his situation with his uh, confusion. We pray for his uh, situation to go as good as it can, that Meg can have wisdom and comfort and be able to handle that situation as needed. Father, we pray for Kaylee. She goes has her tonsils and adenoids removed, that uh, all will go well there, and she will be able to come back from that very quickly, Father, and be fine. <clears throat> we also pray for David Murray and his ankles. He's recovering, and that uh, all will go well there, and everything will heal quickly and properly, and he'll be able to keep his full range of motion and be able to get back to a normal walk of life. There are many other fathers that own our hearts and minds, and we know that uh, we don't always know about them, Father, but we know that if we ask for blessings that you were quick to give them, Father, we ask that you just bless the ones that are on our hearts and minds that uh, you know how to provide better for them than we even know how to ask. And that's all we ask for, Father, is you to provide for them as, as you see fit because that is by far the best thing we could ever ask for. Father, we pray for continual strength as we go throughout this week to be able to go out into this wicked world and let those around about us see you through us, that we will hopefully be able to be able to influence somebody to be able to bring them closer to you and see what a beautiful life it really is when we walk in your light. Father, we just ask that you keep us in the hole of thy hand, that we always look to you. But most of all, Father, we thank you for the, the blessing you give through your Son, and it's through his name that we pray. Amen.